Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. There's a new book on the shelf that claims to have all the inside details on exactly what happened between the moment Meghan Markle met Prince Harry to the day the Sussexes walked away from royal life. This new book shows just how seriously things had broken down. It's an interesting title, isn't it? Finding Freedom, which claims to set the record straight. But how many times have we read stories about the pair claiming to be true, only to be met with either silence from the royal family or a troubled response from Harry and Meghan? What makes this book truer than all the others? Today, we find out what Finding Freedom claims, who exactly contributed to it, and whether the Sussexes may have made the same mistake Diana regretted all those years ago. Did you know that when Harry met Meghan, it was reportedly love at first sight, that the prince became besotted with the actress and was even the first to say, I love you? Did you know their dog's name is Pula, the Botswanan word for rain? And that Meghan didn't go to Kate's little sister Pippa's wedding because the tabloids had run stories comparing their bums? Did you know they fired their second night nurse when Archie was born because they couldn't stop getting up in the night themselves to check on their cherished baby boy? How do we know these things? They're being reported as truth in the new royal biography Finding Freedom, Harry and Meghan and the Making of a Modern Royal Family which claims to follow the royal couple's every move from their first date to the moment they walked away from royal life. It's not the first royal biography to claim to have inside information, and I dare say it won't be the last, but officials are claiming the Sussexes, while giving their permission for the book to be printed, didn't contribute to it at all, a claim that many believe may not exactly be true. There have been examples in the past of royals cooperating with journalists and authors to give their side of the story. The Duke of Windsor spoke to a ghostwriter for the 1951 book A King's Story that detailed his version of the abdication that would eventually lead to his niece Elizabeth becoming queen. The royal family were reportedly not impressed with his decision to speak out, further souring relations between the family members. Prince Charles contributed to the 1994 book Prince of Wales, a biography, which led to some tense times between Charles and his dad Prince Philip. And of course, the most famous of them all is Andrew Morton's 1992 tell-all, Diana, Her True Story. For years, the media didn't believe that the princess herself would have had anything to do with the explosive material inside that book, including details of Prince Charles' affair with Camilla, suicide attempts, eating disorders. Many said the claims were too outlandish to be real. It wasn't until after her death when the man who wrote the book revealed the interview tapes of conversations, six in total, that were sent to Morton via Diana's friend, Dr James Coldhurst. He'd initially bequeathed the tapes to a university, thinking he would die before Diana. Just I was crying wolf, and I said I felt so desperate, and I was crying my eyes out. And he said, I'm not going to listen, you're always doing this to me. He said, I'm going riding now. So I threw myself down the stairs bearing in mind I was carrying a child 
Queen comes out, absolutely horrified, shaking. She's so frightened. Diana had reportedly told her friend David Putnam shortly before the book release in 1992 that she had, quote, done a really stupid thing allowing the book to be written. She told him she thought it was a good way of clearing the air, but regretted it, saying it was a very stupid thing that will cause all kinds of terrible trouble. So have Harry and Meghan, lured by the promise of being able to tell their story their way, fallen into the same trap? First of all, let's go through some of the things this book claims to be true with royal reporter Angela Mollard. Angela, a lot of the blame for what has been coined as Megxit has been placed fairly and squarely on Meghan, but this book paints it in a bit of a different light. Mm, that's right. There's a suggestion that Harry was actually wanting to leave the royal family and that he was the driver in that. this. Look, I think Harry does everything in his power to protect Meghan. And I think he is madly brought into her narrative in terms of, you know, she's wanted, she, she basically gave up on this family. He loves her so much. He's left, but they want to position it very much as his decision, because if it's positioned as her decision, then she gets all the criticism and all the abuse. So I think he's doing it in a protective manner. I think there's an immaturity in Harry and Meghan and how they're behaving versus the necessity that uh, William and Kate um, upholders of the monarchy. And I think there's that clash there because there's two couples trying to do completely different things and using the framework of the monarchy to do it. One of the things this book does do is address a lot of the rumours that circulate around the couple, including before they got married, there was this whole conversation about a fight that Meghan was supposedly having with the Queen over her choice of tiara and the Queen was pushing back. And then it turns out the Queen and Meghan had no issues at all about that. And in fact, it might have been someone else who was causing some friction. That's right. We tend to think of the royal family is just the family. We forget that they are a corporation in a sense. So you will have the CEO, which is the Queen, and then you will have the managers, which will be Prince Charles and Prince William, and the various heirs as they go down the chain. But within there is all the people that make the royal family work. And you only have to watch something like The Crown to get the optics on how that works. And those people are meddling as well. They cause problems, which is not to suggest that Angela Kelly, who is the Queen's dresser, who this instance with the tiara revolves around, that she did anything wrong. But what the story is, is that, you know, and there's been a lot of rumours and speculation about this tiara story, and it's had lots of manifestations that it would appear that the the sort of kernel of it is that Meghan wanted to choose this tiara. She was offered five um, options. She tried them all on. Then her hairdresser came over from uh, Paris, I think it was, they wanted to have access to the uh, tiara that she'd chosen. There needed to be an appointment made for that. Look, there's, a, there's bits of um, toing and froing over this. Angela Kelly apparently said, you've got to, you know, you've got to have an appointment. We can't just rock up and, and pull the tiaras out of a cupboard. You know, they're clearly under lock and key. And then, of course, there's tit for tat in the telling of that story. The and this is, um, Megan suggests that uh, Angela Kelly didn't use gloves to handle the tiara. But look, I think at heart here, there was a clash between Meghan and one of the Queen's staff. You know, one of those instances where Meghan operates in the kind of fast, impatient, urgent way that has made her such a success in life versus this institution that works at sort of glacial pace. Angela, can we talk about how these stories have come to be in this book and who the authors are? What should we know about the pair who've written it and who they've spoken to in order to get these stories together? Because Mm. there is a lot of conversation happening about just how much influence Meghan and Harry themselves have had in the writing of this. 
look, I, they clearly have a role in it. Is that misguided? I think it really is. And we know from the years that I covered, the Diana years when I was living in London, that Diana, her true story, was a book that at the time we didn't know that Diana had endorsed. It was only after her death that Andrew Morton came out and, and sort of revealed the tapes and how the, the whole process of Diana basically being the main source for her own book. We don't know that that is to the same extent the case here. And there are a lot of, you know, sort of vacuous and kind of vague um, conclusions in this book. But then there are elements of um, detail that suggest that only Meghan and Harry could have given this information. For instance, um, Meghan is in Africa with Harry and she's doing yoga poses and um, she's doing a particular yoga pose, the warrior pose. Now, either this is creative writing on, on behalf of the authors or, in fact, Megan has given that detail. Other things like the fact she layers dryer sheets. You know, there's little sort of foamy sheets that you put in your dryer to make your washing smell nice. Well, she layers them between her clothes when she packs to go anywhere. That kind of detail, you know, as a journalist who's worked in, you know, the royal circuit and has, you know, worked for 30 years, those sort of details only come genuinely from the source. That's not the sort of thing you tell your best friend and then your best friend then tells a journalist. It doesn't work like that. This, to me, these these kind of tiny details suggest that they've spoken to them directly. Another one is that Harry is apparently so eco-conscious that he makes the ultimate sacrifice of foregoing the plastic wrapping on his dry cleaning. Well, hooray him. Um, but I just, um, the details are there that suggest that they are, uh, are to a large extent behind, uh, they are the source for their own book. It's an interesting choice though. I'm not sure that you know, it's a once over lightly book. It's in so much as it's it, it's it's quickly written. It's not elegant prose. It doesn't have the the writing standards of a lot of the British royal commentators. It's it's very Americanese. It's it sort of feels like a biography you might get of Katy Perry or Reese Witherspoon or someone you know really populist and and. I don't know, it just doesn't have the sophistication that I would want from a, a biography of this nature. Do you think they'll regret it eventually, the way anecdotally we hear Diana regretted the Andrew Morton book and her BBC interviews and anything that she kind of thought was going to put her on a level playing field with the royal family and get her side of the story out? Do you think these guys will regret this eventually? I think you always regret what you do rather than what you don't do. And I think restraint, if you work from the position of restraint, um, you can always then soften, give more. And, you know, we have to remember Meghan's only been part of the royal family for a short time. She's She had the potential to be a modernising force within it and to, to really take this anachronistic institution to the world and to and to pivot in and do the work that she's doing. She could have done it within the umbrella of the royal family. They both could have. The execution of Megxit could have been done so much more thoughtfully and wisely. You know, I don't know why they didn't, I mean, there's discussion that they sought a meeting with the Queen, but it, you know, your, your question is whether they will regret it. I don't think they um, – I think they move forward. I don't think they move back. They, they both are a couple that sort of churn through um, friends. They seem to appear to churn through lifestyles. Um, they've made this decision. I think there will be times when Harry, sitting in his 
you know, uh, Californian Santa Barbara mansion with his son and his wife and has had all the pillars of his life kind of effectively kicked out from under him. Well, he's kicked them out himself. I think he'll start to wonder where's his meaning, particularly through COVID, and we don't know how long it's going to last, but I think that that has intensified that feeling of separation. He can't fly to the UK. He can't catch up with his old mates that he went to Eton with. And people talked in the past about stress points in life, that having a baby, um, moving house, giving up a job, they all add up to stress points. And he's, you know, initially I thought Megan was the one under stress. You know, she's moved country, she's given up acting, she's had a baby. Maybe she's existing in another environment. Now Harry's doing exactly the same thing without any support around them, apart from Meghan's mother. You know, lots of their friends have fallen away. Jessica Mulroney, because of her um, behaviour during the Black Lives Matter movement, is said to not be friends with Meghan any longer. I just don't know whether Harry, without those long-trusted friendships, where he'll find himself. And, you know, look, the two people who have enormous talent, huge appeal, they were absolutely mesmeric when they came and visited Australia. They have tremendous capacity to do amazing things in the world. And yet they've their, their decision-making has been so polarising and provocative that I just don't know whether they will really ever recover from it. And what you do hope is that they get these massive speaking gigs and that they, um, you know, earn money and do good in the world. But it's been so sullied by what's happened. Um, so, it, yeah, who knows where it will go from here. You just have to hope that they will stick to the things that make them feel whole and purposeful and that, you know, that some good will come of it. But, you know, I just, I think that level of stress on a marriage um, in the early days doesn't bode well for them as individuals or a couple. While officially Harry and Meghan didn't contribute to finding freedom, maybe, like Diana, we'll find out in the years to come that they did either directly or perhaps with the help of some close confidants. And maybe then we'll also find out whether they feel it enabled them to finally put to rest the story surrounding their departure from the royal family or whether, like Harry's mum, they regret trying to set the record straight in an environment where there will always be a new missile fired in the Windsor PR wars. That's all for The Quickie today. If you're keen to catch up on some other podcasts over the weekend, you can check out stacks of great listens we have for you in the Mamma Mia stable, like True Crime Conversations this week. Jesse Stevens caught up with Dr Xanthi Mallet, the author of Reasonable Doubt. It's a book that looks at some of Australia's worst wrongful convictions, including that of Aboriginal man Kelvin Condren, whose case shows just how badly the system can work against someone. Check out True Crime Conversations in your favourite podcast app today.